blessings. This is Pastor Larry Yunclan with Living 412. I will have the pleasure and honor to sit with my wife, Sarita Yunclan. All right, God bless you guys. Hey, so we want to get right into it this uh, beautiful afternoon or evening, depending when you are listening. And uh, we want to talk about uh, the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. And uh, before I get to the scripture, I want to quickly tell you um, something that I think will be very helpful uh, to go along with the scripture. Uh, for those that, that know me, uh, I do like books, uh, whether it be in the physical or digital. And um, I have a bad habit of starting a lot of books and not finishing, but I have two favorite authors. One is uh, John Maxwell, and the other one is Max Lucado. Some people call him Lucado, some people call him Lucado. But uh, he has a book that uh, I absolutely love. It's called Six Hours, One Friday. Uh, and in this book, he is speaking about how he, he and his boat survived a hurricane. So it sounds like an interesting story, right? And uh, it, when you dive into it and start listening and reading, uh, it tells you about a specific instance where he and uh, a couple of friends were getting ready for a storm. And he had what's called a houseboat. And in an effort to protect the houseboat from the storm, his initial thought was, okay, let me tie this bad boy down to something secure, like a tree, a post, something. And um, so that was his initial thought. Let me secure it to something that in the eyes of myself and my friends looks secure. The optics of it look secure. Meanwhile, there was uh, someone else that's an experienced um, um, captain, you know, a captain of a, of a boat that was watching him. And uh, he quickly approached Max. And of course, you know, I'm paraphrasing the story. If you read it, you'll, you'll get the whole gist of it. But um, the, the gentleman approached Max and said, hey, um, what are you doing? And Max explained to him, I am, I am securing my boat. And why am I telling you this, this story? And I'll finish it in a moment. But basically, what Max was doing is he was securing his boat with what he felt or what he believed was needed at the moment. However, he had never experienced a storm with his boat. The captain that approached him had. So the gentleman, when he questioned him, and he heard the answer of, hey, I'm just trying to secure my boat from the storm. The captain said, well, you're doing, all, doing it all wrong, buddy. That's not going to work because have you ever seen a storm just straight up uproot a tree? The storm is stronger than the tree. So what in your optics and what your vision seems secure, it will be ripped apart by the storm in what you think that light post is gonna hold your boat together, it's gonna rip it apart. So Max, you know, in essence asked him, okay, so what should I do? Yeah. You know, my boat's gonna be gone once this hurricane hits. 
you know, the, the winds were already picking up, and it's those type of hurricane gale force winds, like they call them. And um, the gentleman says, well, you have to anchor your boat. And uh, Max was like, wait, what do you mean? Like, as in leave it in the water and not secure it to anything else, drop the anchor? And the gentleman says, yes, but not just one. You're going to have to anchor it on every corner. All four sides of the boat need to be anchored. Take it into the water. You know, don't leave it on the shore. Take it into the water, anchor it on all four corners. And that's kind of scary for a boat owner to hear that, especially a new boat owner. Take it out into the water, into the storm, drop the anchor. So the point of the story is Max was trying to put his faith in what appeared to be strong, in, into what appeared to be physically imposing in something as a tree. Uh, but as I was saying in our message yesterday that if you remember, I think it was Hurricane Sandy or one of the last big recent hurricanes that we had come through our area, I remember trees in our neighborhood uprooted, one that fell on top of a car, uh, trees that fell on top of homes and the roofs were destroyed. So I understand what the captain was saying. In a desperation, Max wanted to save his boat, but wasn't thinking logically. Like, yes, you know what? I have seen trees get uprooted. I have seen trees in Florida, you know, these big palm trees or other types of trees just completely uprooted from the ground, no matter how deep the roots may have been. And they get uprooted because of the storm. So that takes us to the book of First Peter. Chapter 1. Verse 1. And we're going to look at exactly what that captain was speaking to us, well, speaking to Max about, about four anchors. I'll very quickly try to read this, these scriptures. Um, and it was First Peter uh, chapter 1, right? First uh, Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 3, right? Not, first Peter verse chapter one. one verse three, and okay. I'll try to get to like about ten. I think that's where we step, gotcha. stopped, or like verse nine. But it says in the Word of God that praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His mercy, He has given us new birth into living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This should bring us joy to listen to that. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, Though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, in parentheses, storms, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, 
glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible um, and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So, in this book, it is telling us, or in this specific chapter, in these few verses, it is talking to us about a living hope that we have through Jesus Christ. We, we should have a living hope, a living faith, with the understanding that Jesus Christ already paid it all. You know how um, if you get a bill at the end of the month, you know, let's say your electric bill, your gas bill, it'll say, you know, remit payment, yeah. and you know, it says how much you have to pay. Yeah. Imagine getting your bills every month saying zero. Mm -hmm. It's been paid. Mm -hmm. And that's how I equal what the Lord has done. We, no matter how messed up we are, he already thought of us and said, I can redeem you. I can fix what's broken. I can heal and mend. I can re repair our broken hearts. And this, this chapter, these few verses in this chapter reminds me of that. And it seems like for a little while, you've had to suffer and go through trials. And especially in today's world where it's not easy for a believer to hold firm to their faith without being compromised or without compromising their faith, especially for young people. And I think this is where, uh, when I started reading this, it resonated a lot with my youth. It resonated a lot with the youth of today how easy it is for us to compromise our faith and our belief and our trust in, in the Lord with so many things that we're surrounded with. And I think it, 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 it's oftentimes, I'm starting to learn at least, oftentimes when we refer to youth having it harder, it's, it's, it's more so because of the fact that the experience um, is the experience in their lives, the years talk about their experience, put it that way. Yeah. You know, like the years that they have talk about experience as opposed to us who are older, we have more experience, more time on this earth. So for them, um, especially for children who are born into the gospel, you know, they're not only experiencing, just like all of us have to, they're not only experiencing the world's aspect, but they are also ex experiencing God's aspect, Christ's aspect. And so um, when we say that it's harder for youth, we're simply talking about the fact that they're, n they're still, uh, like Paul says, I believe it was Paul who says that they're babies in the Lord. You know, that they still are taking in milk. And so for us who are, a, you know, a little more mature in the gospel, um, for us looking back at, looking at them, we can say that, we can say it's harder for them because we were there and we're past that. We're at a different stage in our walk with Christ. So it's not to say that adults don't have it hard. It's not to say that we don't have challenges and we 
our challenges from de dealing with the world and dealing with our salvation and all that isn't hard for us. Yes, it is hard for us, but when we look at the youth, that's what we're referring to when we say it's harder for them. And I just, I thought I'd point that out because it, it's something I've had to learn. You know, because I used to say, ah, that's, that's uh, an excuse that the world wants you to believe that it's just because they're youth. But, you know, everybody has it hard, you know? But, and yeah. it wasn't, to, it wasn't really like, if you really would have, if you really would have dissected my, my thought in my heart, you were seeing that it's not so much that I was discounting them, I just wanted them to understand that it's hard for all human beings. But the reality of the case is that, it's, that's what God revealed to me, is just, listen, okay, yeah, it's hard for everybody, but you have to realize that your experience in the Lord and all the things that you've gone through in the Lord have led you to where you are now in your faith, whereas for them, it's different. Yeah, they're still learning. Correct. And, and they still they need even more guidance because uh, oftentimes they don't have that somebody that they can turn to. Um, that's someone that they can cry out to. Yeah. And it turns into a moment of loneliness and uh, kind of fear yeah. uh, of which way do I go? Do I go this way because this way is what the world is presenting to me? Uh, things seem so much easier if I do it this way. This looks like the shortcut. These look, this looks more enticing. This looks like a prettier box. But, you know, when you're looking at staying committed to your faith in the Lord, that's where it becomes a little bit harder. And I bet it was hard for our kids to come to us because in their minds they're thinking, you know, I know what they're gonna say, or maybe they just automatically assume that they're gonna think we should know better. You see what I mean? Because we raised them in the gospel, we've taught them everything. So in their minds, they're thinking, if I go to them with this, with my questions, with my failures, with my doubts, um, they're gonna think to themselves, you should know better than to think they're like that. Think you should know better, better than to act like that, you know? Yeah. But the reality is that uh, we have to, and I, and I speak to you, parent, that's Christian, and perhaps you have a child that you're trying to raise up in the Lord. You know, we have to remember that, A, like I said before, our faith is very, you know, it's at a different level. It's at a different maturity level than theirs is, A. And B, you know, they're going through the same things that, the same things that we go through where we're like, you know, every every day is a challenge and a decision that we have to make. It's the same for them, yes, but we have to sort of be that uh, merciful and gracious person like Jesus is with us and sit there and allow for them to open up yeah. and, and um, express themselves, share their, their faults, their failures, and their doubts and not judge them, but rather ask the Holy Spirit in that moment, just help me use love, help me use mercy, help me yeah, use and, grace. And the key is, let me see them through your eyes, Lord. Yes. Not my own eyes. And yes. I think that's what will help us, help you know all of us. And that's the hope that we have. We have a hope, and that's what we're talking about here in these verses, that we have that hope that Jesus Christ. That living hope. Gave us 
you know, that living hope and in, through a new birth. And in that living hope, um, you have to realize, you know, hope and faith, right? Everyone has faith. Mm. You know, everyone has faith. Um, the question is, what do you have your faith in? Mm. And that, that's what these verses are trying to separate. That is the story of the issue with Max Lucado and his boat where he was putting his faith on a physical, tangible thing that he saw and he thought was suitable, but the captain was putting his faith on an experience that he knew when he got through. Mm -hmm. So for us, we put our faith in Jesus as adults because we've known and we've tested and we've tried and we've succeeded in our life with Christ when we failed many times, right? But like my wife is saying, we, we have had those moments so our faith has gotten stronger because of it because we've succeeded in certain areas because we got over this hump or because the lord helped us through this right and restored the marriage um, helped us with whatever situation we were dealing with so our faith is stronger where you know today's youth are not at that point yet they're learning they're seeing they're growing but uh, i want to give you a few anchors of faith because there's uh, even even an atheist has to have faith. He has his faith is so strong that there is no God that he has faith that there isn't a God. So it's kind of ironic, but there is faith. The question is, what are we putting our faith in? And that's what I'm going to try to give you really quick today. Um, speaking of the four anchors that the captain was telling Max about, one of them is having timeless faith. Um, so again, it's not about what do you have, uh, whether you have faith or not, is what do you have your faith in? We can't put our faith in the abilities, skills, connections, friends, families, you know, none of that. Not on your abilities, not on someone else's abilities, not on uh, networking. That is all going to eventually fail. You're going to have moments where you're going to be let down, whether it's by yourself or by others, and you cannot stay focused on that. Yes. So you cannot have a faith that is only temporary, that is only um, based on an action from someone else or dependent on someone else. Because if you remove a certain ability, give you an example, an Olympian has to have a coach. Let's say the basketball, the dream team, right? Basketball team. They, the coach is dependent on the abilities of the players. If a player gets hurt, what happens? Let's go to, uh, um, when was it that it happened? Um, we had uh, Steph Curry, Golden State, right? If Steph, Steph Curry goes down, people say, oh, forget it, the season's over. Why? Because they're putting their faith on the abilities on one person. One person. He's phenomenal. I get that. But if he goes down, the faith, the, the faith is just dropped to the floor like, okay, there goes our season. Possible that? Yeah, rightfully so, right? But what if the next kid up just hasn't had a chance to showcase his abilities and he comes off the bench and he's a beast? You don't know. So I, that's just a silly sports example for me, right? But we need to have timeless faith, a faith that is uh, not broken or not easily broken, not easily disrupted, a faith in Christ that's imperishable. How can we do that? So 
we have to realize that our treasures are not on this earth. They're supposed to be in heaven. Jesus says that we're supposed to put our treasures in heaven where nobody can destroy it, where nobody can take it away, where nobody can diminish it. It cannot be stolen, and it's not based on your abilities. Your treasure should be in heaven. And the thing is, is that what does that look like? That looks like the Holy Spirit. The mm-hmm. tru- that's, the, that's the truth of the matter. The truth of the matter is, is that when the Bible here says that we received a new birth, and that new birth is going from the world, like, you know, the flesh, relying on my, all my instinct, humanly instincts, yeah. dying to that, and living and accepting the Holy Spirit. When you accept the Holy Spirit, you know, when you accept Jesus Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. So when you have that Holy Spirit, it comes with all the gifts and all the treasures from heaven. It comes with everything that we get from heaven. So you have to deposit your faith in that, in the kingdom. And that's what that is. The Holy Spirit comes from the kingdom. Yeah. And so if you're putting your faith in that and you're storing up your treasure and, and taking care of your treasure and in the Holy Spirit, then there it is. You know. Yeah. So the next thing is our, our faith needs to be uncorrupted, right? So uh, throughout history, we've seen leaders that they have, they've allowed power and uh, authority get to their heads. We've seen so many kingdoms rise up and eventually fall. Why? Because the power or absolute power gets to their head. It becomes ego-driven. Um, it becomes corrupted. And then it, it, it becomes um, a disaster. You know, this is why governments now have a system of checks and balances, not absolute power by one person. Um, our faith needs to be something that is not considered a fad or something that is hot, something that is um, nice for the moment. It's not something like a, a hair trend where, hey, you know what, I'm cutting my hair this way or you know, I'm wearing these bell-bottom pants or, you know, it, it can't be something that's just culture-driven. Right. You know, it can't be the hot thing. It's not something that's trending on the Internet. It has to be something that's stronger than that because when the trend ends, then what? You cannot end the Word of God. That's not the way it happens. You cannot end the love of God. So it it cannot be something that you consider a trend. All those things you mentioned are things that are temporal, but this is a sustainable faith, That what, what we're talking about. It's something that is everlasting, sustainable. It's... And the Bible says right there in the verse, in verse five, it says you'll be shielded by God's power. So Mm -hmm. that's the power that we are putting our hope in. It's God's power, not our own strength, not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. That's right. And it it has to be a tested faith. The word does not say that you will not be tested, that you will not have trials, that you will not have storms. It does not. But our faith has to be anchored. This is where the whole story about being anchored comes in. You have to be anchored in who Christ is, anchored in, in our faith in him, realizing that faith in him will get us through the storms. Yes. We might not have the answers, but you know what, Lord, I'm, I'm counting on you. I'm counting on you to get me through this and, and have those moments where you know that, hey, this is just a test. The test doesn't stand constant. You know, look at the storm we just had, the snowstorm. 
It was only a few hours. It was, uh, it was a, a warning from 7 p.m. to 7 p.m. Mm. One hour. I mean, I'm sorry, one day. Yeah. 7 p.m. Friday, 7 p.m. Saturday. That's it. So what do you deal with? You deal with the preparation beforehand. Hey, you better go make sure you have a shovel. Mm -hmm. Make sure you go get some salt. And then afterwards, hey, guess what? You're going to have to shovel a little bit. You're going to have to throw down some salt. You have to drive carefully. So there's a preparation before and after that you have to go through in life and understand that the work after, yeah, it's going to be tough. Your back's going to hurt from shoveling your driveway. But that's part of it. We're going to be tested, but guess what? We made it through. We're fine, and there will be another storm that comes. Um, you have to understand that there's value in being tested. There's value in um, going through the fire, removing impurities, removing the things that are not good for you. There's value in that, and we're very quick to say, I don't want it. But you know what? No, that's what creates your character. That's what molds you. That's what builds you up. Um, gold, gold is, is really dirty when it's first in, in its initial nature. It's not until it's refined that you see the beautiful chains or earrings or uh, things that you wear. But and at first, it's not. And if and if you appealing. were to give if you were to give somebody that gold in its original state, they'd look at it without value. They'd look at it and say, "Oh, that has no value whatsoever. Why are you giving me this? This is horrible." You know, you want to get this that's valuable. You gotta you gotta give me something that's worth it. Mm -hmm. But then after it goes through the fire, after it goes through the press the pressure that it goes through, then it becomes this this money that you can take to somebody and they'll look at it and say oh wow this is really valuable the value yeah you know so it, it, it everything that i always tell my kids everything that is worth it takes time takes work mm -hmm. everything that is worth it is gonna be hard but it's worth it in the end it's got value and so everything that we go through every hard moment every hard pressed moment it's going to be difficult, but it's for our good. It is for our good. We just have to put our hope and trust and faith in God and in his power. Yeah, and that leads to the next one, which says that um, That's anchored through, faith, right? faith is revealing. Mm -hmm. You know, your, your faith is going to reveal that you've been tested, you've been tried, you've gone through it all. Uh, a perfect example, it's a, a married couple that have been together 30, 40, 50 years. That is revealing faith. Believe it or not, that's what that is. Revealing faith that, you know what? Hey, no, this was not easy, young man. But we made it to 30. We made it to 40. We made it to 50 years. And that reveals that, yes, you know what? Many times we did want to quit. Yes, many times I slept on the couch. Or yes, many times, you know, I had to go for a walk. And, and some of these people will tell you that, that they did not have uh, you know, all peaches and cream, ice cream all the time. Mm -hmm. But their faith in their spouse, their faith in Christ, their faith in their relationship uh, led them to, to stay strong, to stay committed, to stay together. So now if, if a couple can do that for each other with all their imperfections, why can't we do that with the Lord? We can have those moments where it's like, this is hard, Lord. I don't know about this. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. I'm so tempted to walk away. But you know what? No, I need to trust you. I need to have faith in you. 
I need to believe in you. I know we can have this long-term relationship. I want to get to 20 with you. I want to get to 30 years with you. I want to get to 50 with you. Think of it that way. It's a marriage. It's a commitment that we're making to say, I'm not giving up on you, Lord, because I know you're not giving up on me. Yes. That's and a bonus verse, one verse right there. Seven, verse 7 says, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith. So if you genuinely say, I have faith in you, God, I have faith in you, Jesus, I have faith in your power, I have faith in whatever uh, it is that you are telling me, you know, in the whatever the word of God is telling me, I have faith in that. Well, yeah, it's going to be tested. The genuineness of that faith is going to be tested. If I tell my husband I love him and he tells me he loves me, <laughs> we're not just going to get into this marriage and then say, that's it. When you say your vows, as a matter of fact, you're not just saying, I love you, you love me, I now pronounce you husband and wife, you mm -hmm. may kiss the bride. You're saying, I love you, and I take you in sickness and in health, in good times and bad, for yep. richer or for poorer. So you're literally listing things and agreeing that, yeah, there's going to be, all those things are possible. All those things are bound and can happen. Sicknesses and, and in health, in goodness and in bad, until death do us part. So yeah, all those things that you just listed when you said your vows are going to be tested throughout your marriage. And it's to prove the genuineness of your faith in each other. And so yeah, that's why Christ, you know, who is the 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 bridegroom and we his bride is going to tell us, I'm I want to see the genuineness of your faith because he's my husband and I'm his bride. And that is what the church is. And so we just have to remember that. If we just keep that in mind, it says there it's going to result in the praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed because he's, he's going to be revealed through the genuineness of our faith. Yeah, and, and that's the next one where it's like you have to have your faith centered on our love for Christ. So this is uh, anchor number four, right? Right. And just to give you an example for this one. Excuse me. You have to realize that faith, although it's not, it's not something physical that you see, you don't see faith, mm -hmm. but faith is a reality. Okay? And what do I mean by that? Have you ever seen your brain? <laughs> You've never seen your brain. I hope not. But you have faith that there's a brain in there. Do you see the air? You don't see the air. I like what one preacher said one time. He said, you can't see your face. He says, tell me, one person who's ever seen their face physically. And everybody was like, what? And like shaking, like scratching their head like, yeah, I see it every day. And he says, you see it, but you see it through a mirror. That's an image. That's You're not the your reflection. actual face. Mm -hmm. I thought that was so genuine. Yeah. Uh, and, and, genius. <laughs> and so faith is a reality. Mm -hmm. Faith is the reality of believing in something that you have not seen. Mm -hmm. And that's what Peter is telling us. But we know that if we have real faith in loving Christ, who you've never seen, you still know he exists. Mm -hmm. The same way, and this is that that's what I would use for an atheist. Do you have a brain? Of course. How? 
How can I not have a brain? Well, have you seen your brain? How do you know there's a brain in there? Yeah. You only believe what you've been told and what you've studied. And yeah, studied you haven't physically books. seen it, <laughs> but you know there. But you are so firm and know that you have a brain in there. Perfect example with the face. How do you know you have a face? Because you've seen the reflection in the mirror. How do you see the air? Yeah. You don't see the air. You see the ref you see the effects of the air when the wind is blowing. Yeah. And you believe what your face has all the details of your face because you look into a mirror. But if you looked in different kinds of mirrors, he said, they, they all say something different. There's some mirrors that make you look really wide, make you look really long. So you're always believing <laughs> what you're looking at daily. Yeah, and we have to make a decision on what we're holding on to, what our faith is being pointed towards, what we're... Uh, making more important into our lives um, what's what am i putting more faith on social media or the word of god that netflix program or the word of god and that's that's what we struggle with as a society right now where there's so many outlets to be distracted from and i'm not saying all those things are bad it's when all those things become a priority over the word of god then it becomes a problem because it takes precedence in your life. It becomes an idol. It becomes more important than your relationship with God. Then that is when you have situations that arise that you cannot control because you don't know, you don't know how to. Yeah, and uh, the thing is, is that our faith, uh, it, it, it says there in, in verse 8, it says, though, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith. You're receiving, so you're being filled with that inexpressible joy, you're being filled with that inexpressible love, with that inexpressible peace, because it's a peace that surpasses all understanding. You're being filled with this inexpress these inexpressible things, uh, because you're receiving the end result of your faith. So however far your faith goes, that's how much you're going to be filled with these things. If you have the faith of a mustard seed, imagine it says you can say to the mountain move. So imagine how much the, the, the little tiny faith fills you up with these things, love, joy, peace. And so when you're filled with all of this, it says it, it, it's receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So how do we see God? Not only how, you know, are we being filled, but how do we actually see God in our day-to-day? -day? If, you, if you go on, it says in verse 12, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. And they're talking about their brothers and sisters in Christ. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. So these four anchors that we're telling you about, these four anchors are so that you can be filled, so that your faith can grow. But then it becomes evident to you. God becomes evident through the eyes that we've been talking about, that we want to see all these tangible things. We want to see God here on earth. It becomes evident to us when we are able to use these gifts of the Spirit, these things that Christ is filling us with when we use it with one another, our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's how we see God. Yes, amen, on amen. On this earth. 
That's so true. And um, I'll close with this. Excuse me. All of us have faith, like I said. Um, but you need an anchor. Your faith needs to be an anchor. The question is, will that anchor hold off the storm? And that's what you have to decide. What is my anchor? What am I using as my anchor? Is it built on Scripture? Is it built on the Word of God? Is it an anchor that can be tested, that can be tried, that can be dropped in the storm? Do you know the value of this anchor? Um, do you think that it's timeless, that it's limited? Do you understand how many people can be saved with that anchor? Because oftentimes the boat doesn't only hold one person. That boat holds many people, depending on the size of the boat, depending on the size of the family, depending on the size of your neighborhood. So the anchor is not only for you. And when we stop thinking about just ourselves and realize I need to drop this anchor, not only to save the boat, but to save the lives of others, that is when the, the real test comes in. What's more valuable? And when you stop to think about yourself and, and focus on others, God's going to show off and reveal what is right in your life. You'll see that this is not healthy for me. It's not helping me because it's not helping any, anyone else. Um, I use that as a big judgment in my life. Is it something that's going to edify me? And if it's going to edify me, I use that, the way I determine that is, will it edify others? Because I don't want something that's just going to fix me. That's, that's wonderful. But I've come to the point in my life that it's no longer about me. I want to make sure that whatever I do is going to help my kids. That whatever I do is going to help the body of the church. That it will help the community. The more I get prepared before the storm comes, the easier it will be afterwards. Right? And I'm not saying easy. I'm saying easier. You know, knowing that I went and shopped for a shovel in advance or shopped for some salt in advance will make the storm clean up afterwards easier. Knowing that you have those winter boots before winter comes will make your winter better. Shopping for that winter coat in advance will make it better. And I think you guys get the gist of what I'm trying to say. When you prepare, don't just think about yourself. What can I do to edify the body? What can I do to help my community? What can I do to help my family, my neighbors? And uh, put your faith in Christ. Let that be the anchor. Let that be what holds you grounded, what keeps you safe in the storm. Amen. So um, if you want to reach out to us, you can uh, send us a message at uh, inclanministries06 at gmail.com. Uh, you can also uh, check our Facebook um, messages on Sundays at 11 a.m. at facebook.com backslash H.C. Vineland. If you are in the Vineland area or Millville, Bridgeton, and you just want to drop by, hey, shoot us a message, and we'll let you know how to get to us. Uh, we're, uh, I like to say that we're a, 
a, a church or a body, um, a family that loves to love. So you know, we, we want to make you feel welcome. We want to make you feel loved and like you matter. Uh, but this has been uh, Living for 12. Thank you for joining us, and God bless everybody. Bye.